Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Friday, January 26, 2024. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, the Chinese president's called for stronger ties with France while marking 60 years of diplomatic relations. China's annual Spring Festival travel rush, the largest human migration on Earth, is now underway. And officials in Gaza say an Israeli strike has killed 20 Palestinians who were in line waiting for food aid. In business, China's opening the financial sector to more foreign investment. In sports, a Chinese player makes the women's final at the Australian Open. In culture and entertainment, a chef in Shanghai blends Chinese and French cuisines. Now checking the day's top stories. Chinese President Xi Jinping has called for fostering stronger ties between China and France. He was speaking in a video message to a reception, marking the 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations. President Xi said China's ties with France have been at the top of its relations with Western countries. He said they've benefited both countries' people and contributed to world peace, stability and development. The Chinese president called on both countries to promote multipolarity and economic globalization and jointly respond to global challenges. In his message, French President Emmanuel Macron said his country is ready to work with China to address global issues. He also said they should take the year of culture and tourism as an opportunity to advance exchanges, and especially between youth. Well, meantime, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi has called on China and France to make greater contributions to world peace, development, and progress. Noting that the two nations have neither geopolitical conflicts nor conflict of fundamental interests, Wang said they should work together to promote an equal and orderly multipolar world and economic globalization. The senior diplomat also called on them to uphold their fine traditions and shoulder responsibilities for steady China-EU relations. French ambassador to China uh, said France will follow through on the common understanding reached by the two heads of state and extend the positive momentum for a new chapter of friendship. 2024 not only marks the 60th year since the two countries established diplomatic ties, but it's also the China-France year of culture and tourism. Artists, musicians, and troops from both nations will bring on a series of cultural events throughout the year. Tony Waterman has more in Paris. 2024 has been dedicated as the year of French-Chinese cultural tourism, and there are literally hundreds of events, performances, people-to-people exchanges that are planned throughout the year, both in China and also here in France. And these are going to be performances uh, that span all of the type of art forms. We're talking about ballet and operas and art exhibits. Certainly, we're marking the 60th anniversary of diplomatic relations on Saturday, but this is a relationship that really goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. But it, since 1964, we have seen the strengthening of these ties increase tremendously. There are now roughly 30,000 Chinese students that come to France and study every year. And increasingly, we're seeing students here in France learning Mandarin. And also before the pandemic, there was 2.2 million Chinese tourists that would come to France every single year. They would pour $4 billion uh, into the economy. And while 
the rebound has been kind of slow post pandemic. Uh, both sides are really hoping that with this year dedicated to tourism that we're going to see an increase in the number of tourists, uh, both in China and also here in uh, France. And um, through these art, I mean, art has this tremendous ability to transcend cultural divides, language divides, political divides in a way that just normal diplomacy or, or policy sometimes just can't do. And that is why these types of people to people exchanges are, are so important for the overall relationship, because it's really the people to people exchanges that facilitate uh, and break down those cultural barriers and just honestly help people understand each other and become friends with each other. That was Tony Waterman in Paris. Well, China and France have forged strong economic and trade ties over the past de uh, decades. Analysts believe uh, there remains lots of potential for both countries to tap into in the coming years. And here's Yo Yang with an overview. There's been considerable growth in economic and trade cooperation between China and France over the past six decades, with the bilateral trade volume and mutual direct investment increasing steadily. Currently, France is China's third largest trading partner in the EU, with a total bilateral trade volume nearly 80 billion US dollars in 2023. And China has also become France's largest trading partner in Asia. And the latest data from the French government shows bilateral trade in goods past 100 billion euros, marked the first time in 2022 a year-on-year -year increase of over 14%. In the first eight months of last year, France's actual investments in China increased by nearly 106% year-on-year, and this has made France the European country with the largest investment in China. With over 2,000 foreign-invested companies in China with more than 300,000 employees, a total of 140 French exporters took part in the 6th China International Import Expo, which was held last November in Shanghai. Focusing on some key areas, France has deepened cooperation with China in the aviation space sectors, nuclear energy, agriculture and food. For example, during a visit to China by the French President Emmanuel Macron last year, aircraft manufacturer Airbus announced the signing of a bulk procurement agreement with China for 106 T aircraft with a total value of around 20 billion US dollars. And the company has committed to building a second production line in the Chinese city of Tianjin. In addition to that, the French energy giant ODF signed a nuclear and wind energy cooperation agreement with several Chinese enterprises. And the French train manufacturer Elston has received orders from Shanghai Metro projects. Experts say there's potential for increased cooperation in areas including education, green energy, the arts, as well as people-to-people -people exchanges. That was Yo Young with uh, the economic cooperation between China and France. Well, aerospace is one of the key sectors for China-France trade. Uh, Chen Lanyo sat down with regional CEO uh, Thierry Valers for uh, French company uh, Talus, which has provided entertainment systems for approximately 50% of wide-body aircraft in China. So the sector of aircrafts is the biggest export from France to China. Um, how do you assess China's aviation market? Of course, uh, aviation market, as you mentioned, is a, is a huge market uh, for, for France, and uh, we can consider that it's probably the second world market um, if, we, uh, if we consider the overall uh, air traffic, for example, in China. And we have developed, uh, since 40 years, uh, a lot of activities in, the, in uh, aerospace uh, in China, with a particular entity dedicated to the repair capacity to support the airlines, uh, so this, cap 
this entity is based in, in Beijing. Uh, we have uh, uh, also uh, developed uh, uh, a joint venture in the field of uh, air traffic management. Uh, so we are supporting also the air traffic, we are supporting the airlines for onboard equipment, we are supporting the air traffic in China. What are the strategies of TELUS groups in Chinese market? And how are they related to the economic and trade relations between China and France? China is uh, as, uh, probably a, a leading country in terms of, um, in terms of uh, digital transformation. So we have also uh, we support this direction with our uh, technologies developed uh, in China in the field of uh, uh, biometrics, in the field of uh, uh, smart cards, uh, e-SIMs. Um. China has been pursuing high quality development in its drive to modernization. What role can French enterprises play in this process? First, uh, I think in this uh, high quality development, um, uh, we, we can um, uh, contribute to uh, product efficiency uh, uh, with the technologies that we have uh, developed in Thales. Uh, we can improve the efficiency all along the, 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 the industry process. And uh, so this is one part. The second part is that we have a, a lot of innovation uh, within, uh, within Thales. And, we, and, and in China, uh, there are also uh, uh, a lot of talents, of course, uh, it's a huge, uh, immense um, um, uh, source of, uh, of talents and we want to continue to cooperate uh, uh, together with, uh, with China uh, to uh, promote innovation and to create opportunities in this, uh, in this field. What are your expectations for the bilateral relations going forward? It will be a great event, for sure, and uh, we uh, we will take all the benefit of this event to increase our cooperation, to find more opportunities. So this is a, a, a great uh, occasion to foster uh, the, uh, the cooperation between uh, Thales and, uh, and China industry or stakeholders. That was uh, Thierry Voulers of French company Thales ending that interview. China and Africa have pledged to foster deeper understanding of each other's civilizations and cultures. Over 50 diplomats and scholars from China and Africa have gathered in Beijing for the Symposium on Deepening Mutual Understanding Between the Chinese and African Civilizations, hosted by the China-Africa Institute. Executive President Li Xinfeng of the China-Africa Institute highlighted the age-old mutual respect and learning between Chinese and African civilizations. He says he's confident Africa's vibrant culture is set to propel the continent's growth further. We sincerely believe that by drawing inspirations from its own traditional culture, Africa will successfully embark on the boulevard towards modernization featured by solidarity, peace, cultural advancement, resilient economic growth, and inclusive development. The ambassador of uh, Sao Tome and Principe stressed the significance of intensifying cultural and people-to-people exchanges. President Gao Xiang with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences said the shared values of the Chinese and African civilizations form a solid foundation for the two sides' modernization efforts. And he called for a stronger representation of the global south, contributing to the advancement of the global community. Coming up, the annual Spring Festival Travel Rush is now underway across China. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. 
search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. We're at 12 minutes past the hour. China's annual Spring Festival Travel Rush, or Chunyun, has officially begun. On early Friday morning, the first high-speed train set off from the Beijing West Railway Station, marking the onset of the busy 40-day period when the whole country is on the move. Authorities are expecting 9 billion passenger trips over the period. It's estimated that 80%, or 7.2 billion of the trips, are non-commercial road trips. Air traffic is forecast to log a historic high with 2 million trips expected per day. In the meantime, the state railway operator is set to handle 480 million passengers through the travel season with a daily average of 12 million trips. Since Thursday, over 74 million railway tickets have sold, and that's a yearly increase of over 140%. With more, Sunya joins us from Beijing South Railway Station. This is the day that Chinese New Year spring travel rush starts and here at the Beijing South Railway Station we're certainly feeling that and I have actually some more staggering figures for you. Now according to uh, the official uh, sales platform for China Railway, they on average are selling 19 million tickets every day and just in the past few days they have recorded daily visits on that platform of 60 billion times uh, in just one day. So that's quite some bigger, big number. And to really break down what this year's Chunyun is about, how is this year's migration going, we have someone with very, very long experience of that. We have uh, Miss Zhang Xiaohu, and she has been running the Chunyun period for the last 15 years. Now, uh, Miss uh, Zhang, we so, this is the first day of the Spring Festival Rust. Already this is packed with people and how do you feel on this first day? Well, this is January the 26th and uh, this is the first day of the Spring Festival Rust. This place is maintained um, in order and compared to the previous years, passenger has picked up dramatically. Well, the Spring Festival uh, Travel Rust is a 40-day period of travel and uh, when do you anticipate the peak. Well, for this year, Beijing South Railway Station anticipates uh, that we can uh, travel a total of 5.6 uh, million people compared to 2019. This is a increase of 16%. We're going to reach a record high. Uh, the 2024 Spring Festival travel rush is the first uh, travel rush after we put behind us the COVID-19 pandemic and there are travelers returning home and traveling elsewhere and there are students returning home and there is the high frequency of travel amongst passengers and we believe that on February the 7th we're going to expect the peak. China's railway authorities also say they are going to be adding more uh, high-speed uh, trains. There will be temporary trains and they will also be adding new carriages to existing trains to cope with that uh, growing demand for travel. That was Sunye on the first day of Chunyun at Beijing South Railway Station. The city of Guangzhou is a busy transit hub in the south of the country. And it's also been witnessing a surge in passenger numbers. Omar Khan has this report from Guangzhou Baiyun Railway Station. I'm at Baiyun Railway Station. This is the newest railway station here in the city of Guangzhou. It's competing with, of course, uh, East Railway Station and South Railway Station, where we usually 
are during this time of year. You have plenty of people uh, traversing. Now, uh, provincial travel authorities, uh, railway, airport authorities, they've all kind of come out and said, we expect this Chinese New Year, this travel rush to be incredibly big. Again, there's that staggering figure I want to get to. Specifically at the airport, I should say, they're looking at 10 million travelers throughout this 40-day travel period, uh, an increase uh, over there. And rail is the one what's going to be huge, around 72 million passengers throughout this sort of travel period, which again begins today, uh, ends on March 5th. Now, total, they're looking at 127 million. That's a 25, uh, 25% uh, increase compared to last year. And that covers both air, railway, and highways. Now, one thing that transport authorities have pointed out is sort of a three plus, uh, one minus. So the three plus is you're gonna see railways, flights, and water transport. Remember, on the southern coast of the province of Guangdong, they're gonna have ferries also connecting uh, to both of the special administrative regions, that's Hong Kong and Macau. You have to consider that. Uh, so air, rain, uh, trains, excuse me, and uh, boats, the water transport passengers, those are going to be increasing compared to last year. And where they do, do see a decrease is on highways, which is probably good news to most people who drive home for the holiday. Now, authorities, are, of course, are adding more routes, adding more services, uh, more sort of buses and uh, highway vehicles are added just in case more travelers do choose that form of transport. Uh, the latest figures that 32,000 vehicles have been added for public transport here in the province of Guangdong and over 400 ships ha have been added along the coastal regions. Now, increase in number of railway uh, users and passengers specifically here is around 33%. Again, it's one of the most convenient ways to get around the country. We all know what China's high-speed rail can do. Now, uh, they're expecting to see 600,000 passengers travel throughout this brand new railway station here uh, in Baiyun District, not too far from the airport. That was Omar Khan in Guangzhou. Well, meantime, a significant increase in air travel is expected during the travel rush. Ning Hong visits uh, Beijing Capital International Airport, one of the busiest in the country, to find out how staff are getting ready for the holiday season. In 2024, Beijing Capital International Airport anticipates a rise in passengers compared to last year. As one of northern China's key aviation hubs, the airport is expected to see over 7 million passengers during this year's Spring Festival. To manage the peak passenger travel rush at the airport, various measures have been introduced, especially for elderly and disabled passengers. We have upgraded the service area for elderly passengers, replacing sofas with more comfortable ones. Additionally, we are providing activities such as calligraphy and paper cutting for passengers to enjoy. Airlines are also increasing their capacity during the holiday season. During the Spring Festival travel rush, Hainan Airlines plan to transport over 5 million passengers, a 25% increase from last year. Internationally, we have added routes such as Beijing to Bangkok and Beijing to Phuket. Flights between Haikou and Sydney and Melbourne have also increased. Domestically, we have deployed 46 wide-body aircraft to operate between major cities. Beijing Capital International Airport officials say the number of passengers traveling through the airport is expected to peak on February the 8th, with daily passengers exceeding 20,000. That was Ning Hong in Beijing. Coming up, Gaza officials say an Israeli attack has killed Palestinians waiting in line for food aid. 
Airline executives, tourism officials, and luxury store owners in America and Europe are disappointed. Chinese travelers, once the biggest spenders on overseas trips, are drawing back from visiting those regions. Where have the big spenders gone? What has led to the lackluster rebound in China's outbound tourism? What does it take to win back Chinese tourists and win them back fast? Find out the answers on this week's chat lounge. Anywhere you get your podcasts, and on CGTN Radio. At twenty minutes past the hour, Gaza's Hamas-run health ministry says an Israeli strike on Gaza City has killed twenty Palestinians and wounded one hundred and fifty more who were queuing for food aid on Thursday. The Israeli military said that it was looking into that report. Also in central Gaza, Palestinian health officials say an Israeli attack on a refugee camp has killed six people. Meanwhile, a leaked audio uh, recording released by an Israeli TV channel uh, showed that uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu called Qatar's role in mediation efforts problematic. Qatar says it's uh, appalled by Netanyahu's remarks, calling them irresponsible and destructive. Uh, John Gambrell has more. Israeli forces have tightened their grip in the southern part of the Gaza Strip on Khan Yunus and as they slowly move closer and closer to Rafah on Egypt's border. My AP colleagues saw people gathered uh, outside trying to escape after Israeli forces told them to flee a school that they were hiding in. My AP colleague saw a tank with its turret moving back and forth, and as these people fled, the crack of gunfire could be heard overhead, just showing how dangerous it is for Gaza civilians caught between the Israeli forces and the militants still fighting them. Meanwhile, there are continuing diplomatic efforts to try to get a pause or a ceasefire in this fighting. Britain's Foreign Secretary David Cameron was in Qatar. Qatar and Egypt are key mediators in these talks between Israel and Hamas. The CIA director Bill Burns is reportedly going to be on his way over to this part of the world to talk to those involved in these negotiations. Now, it remains unclear what any final ceasefire deal will look like. Israel has offered some thoughts. Hamas has offered its own. And so far, we don't see any necessary sign that these talks are moving to a completion, but just with this level of diplomatic activity with all these foreign officials coming into the region, it does seem like most countries, as well as the United States, which has provided ironclad support to Israel during this war, are starting to push all sides towards a ceasefire. But as of right now, the war continues. That was John Gambrell reporting. Uh, Moscow and Kyiv are trading blame for the crash of a Russian military transport jet in the Bulgarod region. Russia says the plane was carrying 65 Ukrainian prisoners of war en route to a planned prisoner swap, adding that it had uh, alerted Ukrainian military intelligence 15 minutes before the plane entered the targeted zone. But Ukraine's denied receiving any notification. Megumi Lim has more. Along with the fragments that appear to belong to a missile recovered from the crash site, two black boxes have also been found, according to Russia's news agency RIA. Russia has accused Ukraine of shooting down a military transport jet carrying Ukrainian captives over the Belgorod region. But Kiev has not confirmed or denied this claim and has called for an international investigation. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in his nightly video address on Wednesday accused Russia of playing with the lives of Ukrainian prisoners of war and the feelings of their relatives. Russia's defense ministry has said that its radars detected the launch of two Ukrainian missiles around the time before the plane crashed. 
Ukraine's military intelligence agency said Moscow failed to notify Kyiv of the need to ensure the safety of the airspace above the Belgorod region, as had been the case before previous prisoner swaps. In response to this accusation, a senior Russian lawmaker said Kyiv was given a 15-minute warning before the jet entered the area where the crash took place. Meanwhile, Ukraine has claimed responsibility for an overnight drone attack on an oil refinery in Tuopsi, a Russian town in Krasnodar Krai, located on the northeastern shore of the Black Sea. Ukraine said its SBU security service hit the refinery, which is owned by Rosneft. The attack caused a large blaze, which Russian authorities said was extinguished by early Thursday. Kiev has said it will continue to attack facilities that are linked to Russia's effort in its conflict with Ukraine. That was Megumi Lim reporting. The United States and Iraq will begin talks to end the mission of a U.S.-led international military coalition formed to fight the Islamic State group in Iraq. Iraq has agreed with the U.S. to form the Higher Military Commission to discuss the issue. A delegates from the two sides will meet for the first time on Saturday to begin setting up the process for the talks. Deputy Pentagon Press Secretary Sabrina Singh says the meeting is not a recognition, rather a negotiation about the withdrawal of U.S. forces in Iraq, but about what the future looks like for the U.S.-Iraq relationship. The United States and the coalition are in Iraq at the invitation of the Iraqi government to fight ISIS. Our Iraqi partners have assured us of their commitment towards working together to shape this future on U.S. military presence and the enduring defeat of ISIS. The HMC will enable the transition to an, an enduring bilateral security partnership between the U.S. and Iraq, building on the successes of the de-ISIS campaign in partnership with the Combined Joint Task Force Operation Inherent Resolve. The Iraqi Foreign Ministry says the commission will assess the threat posed by the Islamic State and evaluate the capabilities of Iraqi security forces. aims to formulate a clear timetable for the gradual reduction of the advisors of the international coalition and the end of its military mission. Mass protests are surging in Slovakia against Prime Minister Robert Fico's plan to amend the penal code and eliminate a national prosecutor's office. Thousands of people have joined demonstrations in various cities, denouncing the proposed changes, including the abolition of the special prosecutor's office and reduced punishments for corruption. Protesters chanted against Fico, calling him a mobster. The ruling coalition voted to use a fast-track parliamentary procedure to approve the changes, bypassing expert reviews. President Zuzana Kapitova said the proposed changes jeopardize the rule of law and cause unpredictable damage to society. Meanwhile, the European Parliament's questioning Slovakia's ability to combat corruption if the proposed changes are adopted. Villagers living near Peru's iconic Inca citadel, Machu Picchu, are staging a protest against a new privatized digital ticket system introduced by the Ministry of Culture and involving a private company. Uh, they say the, the privatized platform takes money away from them, as they used to sell tickets directly to tourists. Minister of Culture Leslie Ortega defended the decision, saying that it's not about privatization. It's important to tell you that in no way there is an interest to privatize the monument. On the contrary, there is a genuine interest of the Peruvian state to take care of it 
unprotected. The minister did not clarify the reason why a private company was now selling tickets. Businesses in the village have also closed as part of a general strike against the new ticketing system. Machu Picchu, a symbol of the Incan Empire built around 3,500 years ago, is the most visited tourist destination in Peru. It was designated a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 1983 and was named one of the new seven wonders of the world in 2007. We're at 28 minutes past the hour. Beijing's down to minus 6 on Friday evening. Saturday, we'll see sunny skies and the high on the day is plus 4. Nanchung's down to 3 this evening, then overcast and 10 degrees. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's at 3 this evening. Saturday, we'll see cloudy skies with a high of 20. Vientiane's at 18 overnight. Tomorrow has a light rainfall and 24 degrees. Phnom Penh's at 23 this evening, then overcast and 34. And in Africa, Nairobi will see a light rain with the high of 27 degrees Celsius on Saturday. It's time for a short break so far this hour. The Chinese president's called for stronger ties with France while marking 60 years of diplomatic relations. China's annual Spring Festival travel rush, the largest human migration on Earth, is now underway. And officials in Gaza say an Israeli strikes killed two, uh, 20 Palestinians who are in line waiting for food aid. And Shane Bigham with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing Hour. Experience the musical classics of the East. Mingle with the masters of Chinese music. Music Talks. Witness the sound of antiquity and modernity. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Bigham with you on this Friday. Still to come in business, China's opening the financial sector to more foreign investment. In sports, a Chinese player makes the women's final at the Australian Open. In culture and entertainment, a chef in Shanghai blends Chinese and French cuisines. To contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. First of all, checking the day's headline news, here's Wang Zihang. Thank you, Shane. China and Kenya will establish a working group to promote cooperation in pillar industries in the next 60 years. That was a highlight of the meeting between Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi and his Kenyan counterpart Musalia Mudavadi in Beijing. In a joint statement, Kenya thanked China for its support in developing Kenya's roads and its railway and green energy sectors. The two countries also discussed how to build a multipolar world and advances reforms in international financial systems and in the UN Security Council. They also reiterated their respect for each other's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi will hold a new round of meetings with U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan in Bangkok, Thailand. A foreign ministry spokesperson says Wang is also visiting the Southeast Asian nation from Friday to Monday. Meantime, the spokesperson adds that President Dennis Francis of the 78th session of the UN General Assembly will visit China from Saturday to Wednesday. 
China's permanent representative to the UN has called for efforts to contain the rampant gang activity in Haiti and alleviate the country's humanitarian crisis. Jiang Jun says China supports the international community in taking steps to help the Haitian National Police. He says China hopes that the Security Council sanctions regime will play its due role to generate real deterrence to the gangs. China hopes that the UN-authorized multinational police force will be deployed as soon as possible, and that practical and feasible action plans supported by the Haitian people can be made so as to help Haiti strengthen its security capacity building and stabilize the situation on the ground. The envoy adds that China supports the UN and regional partners in increasing humanitarian and development support for Haiti. He says China is ready to work with the international community to support the Haitian people in finding a solution he describes as Haitian-led and Haitian-owned to restore hope among them. Violent gang crimes in Haiti have been affecting people's livelihoods and undermining humanitarian activities. The UN Integrated Office in Haiti documented over 8,400 direct victims of gun violence last year. China's annual Spring Festival travel rush has kicked off, with nine billion trips anticipated. Across the country in the next 40 days, the holiday travel period is from January 26th to March 5th, when Chinese people will be traveling home to celebrate the Chinese New Year, which begins on February 10th. On the first day of the travel rush, the Civil Aviation Administration is expecting two million passenger trips by air, while the state railway is set to handle 10.6 million trips. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has signed off on Sweden's bid for NATO membership following Parliament's ratification earlier. Swedish Prime Minister Wolf Kristersson has welcomed the decision, saying his country has reached a decisive milestone on the road to full membership in the bloc. Ankara's approval comes about 20 months after Stockholm first asked to join the military alliance after the Russia-Ukraine conflict broke out in early 2022. The United Nations says commercial traffic passing through the Suez Canal has fallen by more than 40 percent in the last two months. This comes as Yemen's Houthi group has been targeting Israel-linked commercial and military shipping in the region in a show of solidarity with Palestinians. Egypt's Suez Canal Authority says its revenue could fall by 44 percent this month compared with a year ago. Germany has seen a rise in anti-Semitism since the ongoing conflict between Israel and Hamas broke out in October last year. Authorities say they have been there have been more than 2,200 anti-Semitic cases recorded as of the beginning of this week. A group tracking anti-Semitism in the country said in November alone it documented around 1,000 such incidents in the month after the conflict broke out. That's a surge of. 320 percent compared with the same period a year earlier. The main Jewish leader in Germany has called for solidarity with the Jewish community in the country. Finally, over to South America. 
Raging wildfires outside the Colombian capital have prompted the government to declare a disaster and call for international aid. The fires are expected to worsen in the coming days due to warm and dry conditions associated with the El Nino weather phenomenon. More than 30 fires are raging outside Bogota, and officials say only nine of them are under control. President Gustavo Petro says Chile, the United States, Peru, and Canada have already responded to the call for help. The government also asked for aid from the United Nations and the European Union. Colombian authorities say roughly half of the country's municipalities are on maximum alert due to the fire risk, but about a third of them do not have a fire department. Right, thank you very much. That was Wang Zhang with headline news. And this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China's opening the financial sector to more foreign investment. The Beijing Hour, your window on China and the rest of the world. 37 past the hour and with business now, here is Tianlu. Thank you, Shane. The Chinese mainland markets closed mixed on Friday. Timothy Pope has more. It was a much better end to the week for Chinese stock markets. Investors uh, did hit the pause button a little on the rally that we saw in the previous two days, but uh, it still enabled the Shanghai Composite to snap a three-week losing streak. It added about a quarter of 1%. The Shenzhen component, though, uh, went back into retreat, shedding more than 1%. Real estate stocks were definitely the big winners this week, with investors piling back into that sector after one official, uh, one of the regulators, the National Financial Regulatory administration uh, said that Chinese banks should be working harder to fulfil the reasonable financing needs of property projects. That was Timothy Pope in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index dropped over 1.6%. In Japan, the Nikkei was down more than 1.3%. The National Administration of Financial Regulation has introduced more than 15 measures for the opening of the financial sector to foreign investors. The measures include lifting the equity percentage restrictions for foreign investment in financial institutions. In addition, the restrictions on the financial industry in China's negative list for foreign investment access have been completely removed. Over the past six decades, China and France have witnessed growing economic and trade cooperation with bilateral trade volume and mutual direct investment increasing steadily. Currently, France is China's third largest trading partner in the EU, with total bilateral trade volume nearing 80 billion US dollars in 2023. China has become France's largest trading partner in Asia. It has also emerged as the leading European country in terms of investment in China. In the first eight months of last year, France's actual investment in China increased by nearly 106%. China and Thailand are set to waive visa requirements for their citizens traveling between the two countries. The agreement is expected to come into effect on March the 1st. China is the major source of foreign visitors to Thailand. Chinese tourists accounted for more than a quarter of the Southeast Asian country's nearly 40 million international arrivals before the pandemic in 2019. In 2024, Thailand is expecting 35 million foreign visitors, including 8 million from China. Tropical fruit from Southeast Asia is reaching Chinese consumers faster thanks to the vigorous development of economic and trade relations between China and ASEAN. In the past couple of years, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership has boosted China-ASEAN trade. Dusita Saukao spoke with corporate executives in Thailand and analysts on how the country has been benefiting from the ASEP agreement. 
coconut trees. There are not many more familiar sights in Thailand. Deeply rooted in culture, the coconut's sweet, refreshing taste encapsulates tropical holidays. But the role of these humble fruits rolls far beyond the platter. It's become a symbol of the flourishing trade between Thailand and China, where these coconuts now account for more than 80% of all coconuts imported by China. For more than two decades, Warapan has been exporting Thai aromatic coconuts. The growing demand from China in recent years has fast-tracked the growth of her company, churning out innovative coconut products to feed China's insatiable appetite. China is one of the key markets for Thailand to export fruits and vegetables, not just coconuts. Obviously, we grew. We grew with innovation by more than 100%. The improvements of transportation and trade agreements are favorable to entrepreneurs to help them grow. With Thai coconuts leading the culinary charge, free trade agreements are proving to be the catalyst for a mutually beneficial economic and gastronomic alliance between China and Thailand. Despite the gloomy global economic picture, the trade volume between China and ASEAN has achieved remarkable growth. This is a huge opportunity for Thai businesses as more and more Thai products are now entering the Chinese market. In just two years since its inception, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or ASEP, has transformed the economic landscape for ASEAN. So much so, Thailand's trade with ASEP's 14 other members saw a remarkable 7.11% year-on-year increase last year. These tariff reductions are fueling a surge in trade and investments in all industries. Before 1990, trade between Thailand and the ASEAN country is number four, number five, make up about 8%. But if you look at trade between Thailand and the ASEAN, it's nearly 20-30% already. And in the, in the future, it will uh, be, for example, greater. And things will soon be put on the fast track. This is a window to the future of trade in ASEAN, a concrete example that Belt and Road Infrastructure is boosting trade through its contribution to the regional supply chains. And in this era of ASEP, the bloc's economic size and trade vigour is cementing this region as the centre of gravity for global trade. That was Jacita Saukau in Thailand. Data from the travel platform Ctrip shows that searches and sales of travel products from China to Singapore surged up to 30% within 10 minutes of the announcement of visa-free travel to Singapore. Data from Fliggy shows that flight searches to Singapore increased over 15-fold within an hour and hotel searches increased by a factor of six. Ctrip has also seen a more than 14-fold increase in Chinese tourists traveling to Singapore during this year's Spring Festival compared to the previous year. Data from multiple platforms show that Singapore is currently among the top 10 popular destinations for Chinese travelers during the Spring Festival. The mutual visa-free policy between China and Singapore will take effect on February the 9th, the eve of this year's Chinese New Year. The U.S. economy finished off the fourth quarter with a growth of more than 3%. Caroline Malone has details. Well, the U.S. economy grew 3.3% in the last quarter of 2023, defying expectations somewhat and continuing 
continuing this moderate growth that the U.S. economy has been enjoying. A large part of that has to do with consumer spending that has continued to be strong throughout of last year, particularly over the holiday season where we saw people out spending on dining out, on cars, on health care, and on a resilient labour market that continues to defy expectations as well. You know, a year ago, analysts were predicting that we could be in a downtown, even a recession at this point, but we're not seeing that at the moment. But the Federal Reserve will be looking at some key data points when they next meet to decide how to treat the economy. Um, the top-line inflation rate is 1.7%. They've been aiming for about 2% for the last two years. They have been increasing interest rates, but it's likely that in 2024, for the remainder of this year, they will start to cut them, maybe as many as three cuts of 25 basis points each, unless saying we could be around the 4.6% interest rate mark by the end of 2024. Manufacturing data also continues to be important, uh, with some production uh, moderately decreasing, as is the labour market and consumer spending, but overall the growth and inflation pretty much in line with what the Federal Reserve would be hoping for. That was Caroline Malone on the US economy. The Chinese financial regulator says it will guide financial institutions to make full use of policies to meet the financing needs of real estate enterprises. According to the National Financial Regulatory Administration, it is part of the country's efforts to maintain the stable and healthy development of the property market. Xiao Yuanqi with the administration says they will push forward the establishment and implementation of a financing coordination system for the urban real estate sector. The city's coordination system will let local financial institutions know about the real estate projects that can get financial support. We want to urge city governments and housing and urban rural development departments to put in place specific policies to improve personal housing loan policies, like down payment ratios and loan interest rates. The financial regulator also says they'll guide and urge banks and other financial institutions to vigorously support the three major projects, which include the redevelopment of shantytowns and the construction of recreational facilities that can be easily converted into emergency structures. Chinese authorities have released an implementation plan for a reform plan in Pudong New Area, Shanghai. The plan, with the 2023-2027 timeframe, aims to support the high-level reform and opening up of Pudong New Area, as well as efforts to build Pudong into a leading area for socialist modernization. Support will be given to help the area take the lead in improving systems in all aspects to accelerate the building of a high-level socialist market economic system and to improve governance systems and capabilities. Thank you very much. That was Tian Lu with Business. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. And coming up in sports, Chinese player makes the women's final at the Australian Open. The Asian Cup concluded far too early for Chinese fans. China's performance was disappointing and posed a lot of questions about the team's future. Join us on this week's episode of Sideline Story, where we analyze the state of the men's national team. 47 minutes past the hour now. Turning to sports, here's Brandon Yates. Thank you, Shane. We begin with tennis, and China's top-ranked player has booked a spot in the Australian Open Women's Singles Final. As she eyes her first Grand Slam title, Zhang Chinwen will face defending champion Arena Sabalenka of Belarus. Zhang managed to blast past qualifier Dejana Yastremska of Ukraine 6-4, 6-4 in their semi-final encounter. Zhang was very happy with the result. 
I'm super excited to have such a great performance today and arrive in the final. You know, I think the opponent she's playing unbelievable tennis and got really good baseline stroke. Oh, it's tough to explain my feeling now. Yeah, the real first time here in Australia. Thanks for all the support and thanks to my team as well. The 12th seed is closing in on ending a decade-long title drought in Grand Slam singles for Chinese players. Her idol Li Na is the only Chinese player to have won a Grand Slam singles title. Elsewhere, the barnstorming run of China's Zhang Jijin and Thomas Machach of the Czech Republic has ended. The pair fell short in a thrilling men's double semi-final to second seeds Matthew Ebden and Rohan Bopana. Zhang said it was a pity that they lost. We reached the semi-finals and almost made it to the final, so the loss was pity. But we also enjoyed the match. We took the initiative in trying to win every point and enjoy the process, as we played on Centre Court at Melbourne Park. In fact, it was a surprise for us to reach the semi-finals, so of course we had a sense of loss, but not too much, that we couldn't go one step further. We felt more grateful to each other that we were able to reach the last four immense doubles. The men's doubles final will take place over the weekend as well. There are a host of domestic and international football clashes to look forward to this weekend. In the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich face FC Augsburg, while Bayer Leverkusen take on Muchen Gladbach. In La Liga, Barcelona play Villarreal and Real Madrid tackle Las Palmas. In Serie A, Juventus take on Empoli and AC Milan play Bologna. On the international stage, Africa Cup of Nations round of 16 action sees Angola play Namibia, Nigeria lock horns with Cameroon, Equatorial Guinea play Guinea and Egypt face DR Congo. Finally, in Asian Cup round of 16 matches, Australia play Indonesia and Tajikistan battle the United Arab Emirates. Manchester City has signed Argentinian star Claudio Echeverri from River Plate for an initial fee of around £12.5 million. The reigning European and Premier League champions confirmed the 18-year-old has agreed a contract until the end of June 2028. However, he will spend the next 12 months with River Plate before moving to England in January 2025. A creative attacking midfielder, Echeverry has been compared to players such as Pablo Aymar and even Diego Maradona. He made his first team debut with River Plate in June 2023 and has impressed with the Argentinian under-17 team, scoring 13 goals in 23 appearances. Calvin Phillips has completed a medical ahead of his proposed loan move from Manchester City to West Ham. Phillips has just made 31 appearances for City since a £45 million transfer from Leeds in July 2022. Manager Pep Guardiola also admitted in December he cannot envisage the England midfielder on his team. The 28-year-old has now left Etihad on a temporary basis, though there is an option to join the Hammers permanently. Phillips has not managed a single start in the Premier League this season, having started just twice last term. China claimed a speed skating gold medal and an ice hockey bronze at the 2024 Winter Youth Olympic Games on Thursday. They won the speed skating mixed relay title, defeating host South Korea by 0.04 seconds. China snatched the women's 3-on-3 ice hockey bronze, edging out Italy 8-7. In the curling mixed team event, China narrowly lost to Switzerland in the bronze medal match. Charles Leclerc has signed a contract extension with Ferrari. Ferrari has not yet confirmed the length of the extension. Leclerc said he is happy with the deal. I feel good. 
I feel happy. Um, this is the place where I want to be. This dream of being part of this team started when I was uh, three and a half uh, years old, that I watched uh, the first race in Monaco, searching for the red car and dreaming of being a Formula One driver for Ferrari one day. And uh, this dream partly came true in 2019. And today we are announcing that I'm uh, signing for more years, which is an incredible honor for me to be part of this team. Now we are continuing um, the story, which I am so incredibly happy of. And my target is obviously to bring back Ferrari to the top uh, of the world championship. To win a championship with Ferrari is my ultimate dream. Since joining Ferrari in 2019 following his debut F1 campaign with Sauber, Leclerc has taken 23 pole positions and 5 wins. And finally, LeBron James has become the first player to be named to 20 All-Star teams. He was selected for the Western Conference as part of the league's unveiling of the 10 starters for next month's All-Star game in Indianapolis. James has passed Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the most All-Star nods in NBA history. He will be joined in the West starting five by Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic and Shai Gilgius Alexander. In the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Atetokounmpo led the voting and will be joined by Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton and Damian Lillard. Right, thank you very much. That was Brandon Yates with Sports. Coming up in Culture and Entertainment, chef in Shanghai blends Chinese and French cuisines. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men Days of Future Past. You are listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman and you're listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi everyone, I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to the Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world. 54 minutes past the hour. Turning to culture and entertainment. The National Museum of China saw nearly 6.8 million visits in 2023. A people below the age of 35 accounted for more than 60% of that number. The museum received an average of 21,000 visits per day, a yearly increase of over 300%. The museum held 57 exhibits on site, 13 traveling exhibitions in multiple regions. Uh, it acquired nearly 12,000 objects objects for its collection, and more than 30,000 cultural artifacts uh, were assessed and graded. The National Museum of China delivered thousands of free lectures last year for roughly 330,000 visitors. It also hosted 123 educational activities, including the Ancient China Education Services, to more than 40,000 middle school students. Shanghai-based chef Guangtan marries gastronomic delights from China and France, and uh, Lin Lin has more. Quarantan Delacroix, a chef from Douai in northern France, isn't the run-of-the-mill chef you typically spot hustling in a restaurant kitchen. He's an online sensation in China. The Frenchman shares his love for fusion cooking through short videos on Chinese social media platforms. What sets him apart is not just his cooking skills, but also his fluency in Mandarin. Many of his followers are eagerly anticipating his new recipes. So in uh, 2002, I came to China, was uh, originally to study business. So it was a partnership between my business school in France and a Chinese business school. So I came to Beijing for three years 
And uh, at that time I didn't know how to cook anything basically other than a bit of pasta and that's it. And uh, when I arrived in China, I fell in love with Chinese food very quickly. So today I'm going to share with you the first dish that I learned when arriving in China, that was 20 years ago. It's extremely easy, everybody can do it at home. So it's uh, scrambled eggs with tomato. It's a really basic home-style Chinese dish that I still love until now. So this dish has many different versions in different regions of China. And I started to learn a bit of Chinese food because I thought it was extremely interesting and really enjoyed it. And then I realized uh, slowly, step by step, that I really loved the cooking process. And that's kind, that's kind of what uh, made me change my direction from business to cooking. Now living in Shanghai, Quarantan knows all the best places to eat. Food. What do you like most about Chinese food? I think what I like most is definitely the diversity. Diversity, really different place, many different flavors. Here you have some very uh, typical Shanghainese, uh, Shanghainese flavor. Jiajou pai, like a kind of a street food. So a fried uh, pork chop, very tender, with the special uh, Shanghai la jiang yo, a bit spicy soy, a bit sour. That was Lin Lin reporting. As the Year of the Dragon approaches, Beijing-based publishing company Sharona has recently published a series of picture books. The Adventures with Dragons in the Palace Museum series is mainly targeted at children. In ancient uh, Chinese legend and tradition, the dragon's a mythical creature and an auspicious symbol. And it's also an important cultural symbol. Li Jiaguang, the author of the series, has drawn nearly 300 illustrations for those books. 58 past the hour, checking the forecast before we go for the weekend, and uh, Beijing's down to minus 6 on Friday night. Saturday is sunny with a high of plus 4. Nanchung's at 3 this evening, then overcast in 10 degrees. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's down to 3 overnight. Saturday, we'll see cloudy skies with a high of 20. Vientiane's down to 18 degrees. Tomorrow, some uh, rainfall and a high of 24. Phnom Penh's at 23 overnight. Tomorrow's overcast in 34 degrees. In Africa, Nairobi will see a light rainfall in 27 degrees degrees on Saturday. Kampala's at 21 overnight, then a light rainfall with a high of 25. Uh, Juba's at uh, 23 degrees this evening, then cloudy skies in 37. And finally to Oceania, a Port Vila's 24 this evening, then a light rainfall in 30 degrees Celsius. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, the Chinese president's call for stronger ties with France while marking 60 years of diplomatic relations. And China's annual spring festival, Travel Rush, is now underway. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together. <laughs>